Welcome to our podcast on The Wire. My name is Barbara Wigman, and I'm the CEO of Artemia Communications. Since 1995, Artemia has partnered with Fortune 100 companies, high growth startups, and government agencies to develop and execute customized strategic communication solutions. We're always looking for new ways to help our clients connect and grow. Today's guest is Dr. Janice Green. She's the president and CEO of Reback Pacific and formerly worked for the Boeing company. Over the last 20 years, she has been a leader in supply diversity strategy, economic development, and business intelligence. She took on a role at Webeck Pacific in 2017 and has served on several executive boards with the aim of creating more opportunities for women-owned businesses. She earned a bachelor's degree, a master's in management, and a PhD in strategy, project, and program management. For more information about Dr. Green's background and extensive experience, please visit our site, www.artemia.com, and look for our On The Wire episodes. Hi, Janice. Nice to meet you today. Great seeing you also, or talking to you, I guess I should say. Yeah. Thank you for joining me. And I'm so excited about having you here on our podcast because you have a very unique perspective. And I think it applies to so many of us female and diverse entrepreneurs and some of the other companies. But we're going to focus on that today since you are the head of uh, WeBank Pacific, one of the RPOs of the WeBank organization. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about your background. How did you get to lead this organization? So I guess if I go back a little bit in my background, I worked for Boeing over three decades. In the last 20 years, I worked in supplier diversity or workforce diversity. And prior to that, I was actually in the factory. So I built wire bundles, did mechanical type of assembly and sealing. And so all kinds of things that I did in the factory for my first uh, 16 years that I was there. So I actually understood the business. And then when I went to HR and I was in HR for about five years and I did uh, EEO at first. And then I was one of the key people to put together the workforce diversity plan for Boeing commercial airplanes back in the 90s. And then in about 1999-2000, I moved into supplier diversity. And I really like the supplier diversity field. I like the way that you can actually see progress. It's metrics, it's measured. And so I found myself gravitating toward that. And it became a real passion for me, and I still do it today. Yeah, it's very, you know, very impressive because you were in an industry, obviously, that tended, maybe still is, uh, somewhat male-dominated, right? And I'm sure you've seen many women trying to break into the field, shall we say that way, right? right. It wasn't as, as common, I think, to study engineering or anything that might be applicable to that industry itself. Do you, in the greater scheme of things now, we all have, I think, agreed that we're in a global pandemic, you know, the COVID-19 normal, as we refer to it. How do you feel it has impacted women-owned and diverse women-owned companies and what kind of feedback do you have for us? What, what's going on? What's sort of the pulse? Well, I think regardless of whether you're a woman entrepreneur or a woman executive or a woman in the workplace, that a lot of women have been impacted by the pandemic negatively because they find themselves being home, raising their children, being the mm -hmm. teacher, working either their full-time job or working on their business. And 
I think it's been difficult for some to navigate to that change. So that's, that's been an issue. And I think that we're looking at it as a nation on how to deal with that, especially with child care and school and, and businesses. So that's been a challenge to many. And we've got some data that shows that women particularly are closing their doors. The other part to the pandemic, I think it forced us all, us included, it forced us all to take a look at what we were doing and whether or not it was adding value, whether or not it was cost effective. Uh, so and how we could do things differently. So a lot of us were not nearly as efficient when it came to virtual meetings and virtual conversations. We're getting much better at that as time goes on. But it also allowed others to thrive, you know, transition to find other markets, adjacent markets. So I saw a lot of the women business enterprises that work with us take a new tactic uh, build new products to address what was needed in the pandemic. So they've been pretty nimble. Do you have some examples? I mean, you don't have to give us the company names, right? But just in terms of the type of solutions or innovation. Some of the people that had global markets, for example, that were doing the branded materials and they already had access to things like hand sanitizers, uh, you know, mm -hmm. the, just across the board. So they already had the entry into the market or somebody that they were working with. So they were able to develop that. I've seen mm -hmm. a lot of health and safety, the return to work in the service areas. The women business enterprises were quick to understand what was going on and help people understand the financials like the PPP loans, SBA loans, and how to just work within the confines of what we have right now and make the best of it. Yeah, and I would say from my vantage point, right, obviously Webeck Pacific has taken an active role in educating the participating women. Is there something that you feel has been a particular need in 2020? I think that, you know, it's always capital, access to capital and making sure that you have qualified for the loans that are available, that you have good banking relationships, I think really sh shine the light on that this year. So that's one of the major things that I think. And the other part is that the changes in being virtual and the need for cybersecurity, the need for contingency plans. I think that this year has really elevated those needs to the top. And that's what we're trying to do is make sure that the women that we work with have those tools so they can be successful. Right. What do you think, I mean, everybody's sort of like, oh, 2020 is over, right? What do you think will be some of the challenges that the businesses will face in 2021? I think it's going to be a much better year because I have faith that it's going to be a much better year. <laughs> <laughs> but I think some of the things that uh, some of the challenges will be the returning to work, making sure that employees are safe, that you have the right tools for social distancing and hygiene and all of that so that your employees mm -hmm. are safe. I think that's going to be a big deal returning to work. I don't know that everybody's going to return to work as we knew it with physical locations. So I think that that's going to be a challenge for people to understand how do you work at home? How do you make sure that the work's getting done correctly? The operations piece changes when it is virtual mm -hmm. versus when you're in the office. So I think those are some of the challenges. I think financing is going to continue to be a challenge for some. So it's going to just maintaining your operations and making sure that you're keeping track of your expenses and making sure that you're able to meet your requirements. I think those are going to be critical. 
in the next year. And for those that don't know about the organization as much, can you maybe list some of the industry segments that the businesses are active in, just to, to give it sort of an insight, right, from the outside in, what type of WBEs, diverse women-owned businesses are part of the organization? So we have just about any that you would think about would be part of our organization. Our largest is what we call professional services. And that includes a lot of your marketing, your PR, your IT resources. So that's a broad category. But we do also have quite a few women in construction, over 65 in construction. And food manufacturing is another big one. So wholesale trade. So just Mm -hmm. about anything, when you start talking about what we offer, we have finance, real estate, management consulting just across the board. I think that's good to know, right? Because people may think it's one particular segment when in fact it's so much broader, right? There's there's a good range in terms of the type of businesses that are part of the organization and this particular RPO, as we refer to re- regional partner. And just getting back a little bit to your particular role, I, I always find it so interesting that you have really from the ground up, you know, you learned about aviation by doing it, right? You you were involved with the products, you know, the entire life cycle all the way through, of course, then ultimately supply diversity. So, and as a part of that, you know, I noticed that you were recognized by the Secretary of Commerce for your dedication to small and diverse manufacturers. In that context, why is supply chain diversity important? So in that context, it was actually the company was recognized and it was a program that we were that we put together. I think one of the things that it's important to look at across the board because you have your supply chain and within your supply chain, of course, you have different ranges of revenue. I said, but the supply chain has to be strong all the way through because it it can fail if, if you know, we <laughs> Where I was before, you know, if you didn't have the right bolt, you still couldn't get the product out. So the supply chain is absolutely important. I think some of the things we need to pay attention to in supply chain right now, there is an opportunity to look at what they're calling near sourcing or bringing work back into the U.S. in some places because the supply chain was so disrupted with COVID. So we, we need to be, stay on top of that and stay in front of that and see which companies are actually more open to sourcing locally. And that's maybe the opportunity for some of the diverse and women-owned firms, I'm thinking? I'm thinking that's an opportunity for diverse and women-owned firms. The other thing that's an opportunity that we talk about a lot is the partnership joint ventures, the ways that small and diverse and women-owned businesses can partner together to go after larger RFPs or larger Mm -hmm. projects. That's something else that we should look into. And the other piece is... I'm going to say it because it becomes a bigger issue is that the whole cybersecurity piece, especially if you're working with major corporations, cybersecurity has to be up to par because one of the ways that um, hackers get into corporations is through their supply base. So we need to pay attention to all of those things. Yeah, I think we have a good example currently in the media, you know, where that's been an issue where government agencies were jeopardized, shall we say, in terms of cybersecurity, right, through a particular software program. Uh, that by all accounts was secure and has been used for many, many, many years, right? We still don't know what the damage is. So I think that is, a, as you would say, you know, growing concern. Do you feel that the WBEs and, you know, MWBEs are open to engaging in that type of additional effort, if you will? You know, I, I whether they're open to it or not, I think at some point it's not going to be a choice. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know, it's, it's like, okay, if you, you can't do business with us if you're not up to a certain level in cybersecurity. So. And that makes sense, right? Who wants to take on extra risk? It's uh, risky enough as it is, it seems like. Yeah, and the other thing I think that needs to be paid attention to are the continuity plans mm-hmm. and their risk plans, because I see that's one of the things I'm seeing is that corporations are asking small business WBEs to have a continuity plan. And that's I think that comes out of the pandemic as well, because now you want to see whether or not you have that continuity plan so that you can deliver the services that they've contracted with. Yeah, you can't, this with COVID, you know, or following COVID, you can't assume that everybody's going to be the same they were before, right? Clearly, there's been a shakeup. It's upon us, shall we say, as a WBEs or, you know, small business or diverse business to kind of make the point that we can still deliver, right? Right. The other thing I think is we need to look at the stratification of the supply chain. And where mm-hmm. it is that you, where you think you fit in, you may not always fit in at the prime, but you may be second or third tier. But it's always good to know or do an assessment to see where your products and service fit in that whole supply chain or ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And why is it important that it would be diverse firms? I mean, it seems like everybody is probably aware of it and yet sometimes not, right? Mm-hmm. What's the business case, shall we say? I think it's, you know, the ideas and the lived experiences that people bring to the table when they have different ethnic backgrounds or, you know, different gender, just a mix of people in the room. Uh, people have their own lived experience and they have examples of what works for them. And I think any company should be looking to make sure that they have a diverse supply chain, because I think a lot of the innovation comes out of the supply chain, out of the diverse supply chain when they start making technological innovations. It doesn't always start with the big guys. I mean, there's there's creativity mm-hmm. there as well. But when you start looking at people being uh, a cut above or hungry for or, or just really trying to develop something new, you'll find that in the diverse businesses. You'll find them at the cutting edge. Mm-hmm. Because they have the agility, probably. It's much harder to move a big ship than a smaller one, right? Oh, the agility is there. And yeah, you don't have to go through all the processes and procedures and the many layers of approvals when you're when you're small. You can you can get out there, you can take the risk, you can see if it works. If it works, you can continue on and develop it. If it doesn't, you can move on to the next project. Hmm. So in, in, in thinking about COVID, right? We see sort of maybe the light at the end of the tunnel with the vaccines coming in and and being administered, you know, to frontline and other workers reflecting on it. Do you see, you know, you mentioned how some companies, and I want to use the term for a minute, it seems the 2020 word pivoted, right? Right. But have you seen other positive changes that, you know, sort of COVID driven, but that have impacted the supply chain management? Yeah, I I have. I think the fact that, you know, that we all are virtual and most of us have honed our skills somewhat, I think that what you're seeing is the access is a lot better than it was in the past. So the access to some of the decision makers, some of the resources, it's much easier for us to get a supplier or potential supplier in front of a procurement person for 15 minutes on, say, Zoom or Teams or other platform than it is to have them come to our bigger networking events because they have to travel Right. You know, they pay a hotel, but if, if we can find the right sourcing, if we can get the right information, 
we're perfectly willing to make those connections so that you can get 15 minutes. So mm-hmm. people will do that at their desk. From your vantage point, right, having seen it in action, you know, how supply chain has been constructed and how it's evolved to be more diverse. Are there some things that you would sort of share as words of wisdoms or, you know, just recommendations for companies that want to do more of it? And it doesn't have to be corporation, right? It could be mid-sized uh, business or even a you know small business in America means up to 500 employees. So at that point, you have your own uh, supply chain, right? So how can they diversify? What's a good way for them to sort of approach the topic? I think to diversify your supply chain, I think it takes a concerted effort and the people at the top really need to want to do that. They need to have that desire and it needs to flow down. I think that also making sure you understand where some resources are, like WeBec Pacific and some of the other councils, those community-based organizations have a lot of information about the capabilities and capacity of people they support. So I think that might be a, a good place to start. And also look at your supply base. You may be surprised how many diverse businesses you already have in your supply bases, but have not declared or have not been certified. That's another thing that you can do. And also attend the networking events. I think the networking events are key. They're changing now. You know, it's not all face-to-face and handshaking. But I think that we have smaller, we can do smaller networking events and get people engaged. And I think engagement is part of the key. One of the bigger things that I think moves it forward is finding the people that are within your procurement organizations that also have some passion around supplier diversity or Mm -hmm. equity and inclusion and include them in your planning. So I would have a supplier diversity program that I was standing up. I would look at it. And of course, I'd go through, look at the metrics, see where we stand. But then next, I would also go find out who are my allies different procurement groups and form a council with them. And you can do that on on any level, right? As small or as big as the organization of your business justifies, right? Right. I think you can do it on any level. And I think what it does is engages the hearts and minds of people and they get to see what they're doing and how they're helping the community and how their input impacts the lives of others. And I think when they start that, the people that have a real passion around it, they continue to grow with the program. And they also are more likely to share it with the other people that are in their disciplines or whatever their organization is. So if you do this and you have somebody that's in the legal department on your team, that person is your trusted messenger that's carrying back the information that you share with their coworkers. Mm-hmm. And, and would you say, you know, sort of jumping from supply chain to another area I think that we have thought of as sort of a harder place to break into is the whole manufacturing area, right? Have you seen an uptake of females and diverse businesses in that space as well? And are there any trends that you can speak to? Now, in our data, we have a slight uptick of manufacturing, and that's a great thing to see. A lot depends on what type of manufacturing it is. So it's aligned with the industry. So people that are doing or we're doing aerospace manufacturing right now because of the industry may be having a more difficult time. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the things we talk to manufacturing people about is that there are so many opportunities in manufacturing that you don't want to limit yourself to one phase of it. So you may be able to do automotive, aerospace, medical devices. You know, they all have really strong and difficult requirements and tolerances. Mm -hmm. 
but if you learn one, if you learn three or more, or you know how many, ever many you can do, at least when one industry is going down, you can move over into the other industry. You can cross over. I, I try to caution people sometimes about having all of their eggs in one basket. It's you got yeah, the dependency is not necessarily good, right? Yeah. Right. Well, you know, if you got the skills that are transferable, it's probably in your best interest to broaden your portfolio. Right. In our RPO, we have, I think, a, a number of manufacturers, right? Can you sort of touch lightly on the, the kind of areas that they cover? Like, what do they do? Got metal manufacturers. We've got aerospace manufacturers. We've got kind of just across the board. We've got some yeah. that are in automotive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pretty broad, right? Pretty broad. It's pretty broad. We've got some that do robotics. Mm-hmm. So definitely with the times and, and leading, right, the pack in a lot of ways, I think that's what I'm being reminded of when you speak. You're the oh, expert. I was going to say, we no, we have women in manufacturing across the board and quite a few of them. And they and I think that that's something that we pay attention to, what we call the non-traditional areas like manufacturing and construction is growing steadily as well. So manufacturing and construction are growing. That's a good thing, right? I would expect next year, in the next couple of years, with the rebuilding of some of the infrastructure, that that would be a good place to be. That's my forecast. That's my crystal ball. Right. Do you have any other ones like that? What else do you see in the future? Well, I think manufacturing, construction, all the IT, the information technology. Yeah. I would also think that when corporations start coming back, that there'll be some opportunities for staffing. Hmm. So, so I think coming out of pandemic that if we're vigilant and keep our eyes open and see which way the market's going or where the opportunities are forming, that's the good thing about being a small business, a smaller business is how agile you can be and how you can keep your eyes on the prize, keep seeing what it is that's out there and how you can work with it and how you can change your business to work with it. So right now, I think Everybody just ought to be actively uh, mm-hmm. out there looking at trends and forecasts and seeing how that's going to impact their business. I'll give you an example. I know that the 3D printing, yeah, now, yeah, yeah. you know, that that's a something that people that are in manufacturing and construction may want to watch because I know that companies are looking at 3D printing as a way to do manufacturing versus having to contract manufacturing. That may be off in the future, making sure that they can meet all the criteria, the the requirements. But that would be something that I would be looking at if I was in manufacturing. Mm -hmm. And in construction, I know they're, they're using 3D printing as well. I've seen some things where they just have whole walls just built. So you just raise the house. So... You know, those type of things, I think we just keep our eye on and make sure that we stay ahead of and that we're offering services that they need. Yeah, that makes sense. What kind of word of wisdom, since we are on the, you know, side of philosophy and and kind of, how should we say, assessing what the market will hold, what would you tell diverse females who are thinking of starting in a company? What are the key ingredients to help yourself be successful in business, so to speak? Right. Number one, make sure I have a good business plan. Mm-hmm. I think that works it all the way through. So do you understand what what finances you have, what you're going to need, what your market is and who your market is? You need to do a competitive analysis to see who have, who else is offering what it is that you want to offer and how that how do you think it ranks? How do you, you think your product or offering ranks compared to those? I think we should always make sure that we 
have a banking relationship, that we understand how to read all of our paperwork. I would say get a good accountant and a lawyer, I think, would be the two that I would say to get when you're starting your business so that you can have a full understanding of your legal requirements and your quality requirements, your legal requirements are important in your accounting requirements. And sometime with a legal consultant, you also get your consulting about HR because there's so many rules that have, if you're going to hire somebody that you need to know, but there's also a lot of rules for doing business in any state. I think you need to understand what type of business entity do you want? Do you want a corporation or you know, an LLC, a sole proprietor, but you need to look at what goes with those and what the requirements are for those and and make sure that you understand it so you choose the right entity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because also the taxation is different, right? Depending. Oh, yeah. The taxation is different. There's a lot of little differences. Mm-hmm. I would say, for, you know, from my vantage point, obviously being involved with Rebec Pacific, there's a richness of experience and expertise. So, Maybe you can speak to the event in January and we can let people know about it, particularly diverse and women-owned companies, that they could uh, have a look at the RPO and, and become part of the network, right? Yeah. So in January, we're hosting our celebration, our honoring our 2020 participants, all the folks that helped us out, that really put their time in. It's one another one of those things where we say we join forces and be stronger together because I think the pandemic, it brought us all closer. We're all helping each other. And I appreciate all of the corporations and the WBEs who supported WeBet Pacific during the pandemic. This is going to be fun. We're going to be honoring our corporations of the year, our Weebies of the year, and volunteers and several other folks that have worked with us during the year. We're looking at having a storyteller help walk us through some of the things that we've done in the year. We may have a lip sync contest. We're going to make sure that it's quick, it's fun, that you're involved, and that we actually lift up all the women businesses that have made it through the year. They've been very successful. And then also lift up those corporations and agencies who have stood by us all the way through this pandemic and prior to that. So it'll be a lot of fun. And you want to name the date so people can mark their calendars? Oh, yeah. one twenty one twenty one January 21st. 2021. It's a beautiful date, I think, right? Reflecting and hopefully setting the tone for the coming year with everything that it may entail, right? Right. We're calling it Still We Rise because it's based off of Maya Angelou's poem, Still We Rise. So we have come through a lot and still we rise. It's a beautiful title. I almost feel like we should leave it at that because how can you (laughs) surpass that? (laughs) Unless you have final thoughts that you would like to share with um, the listeners, because it's a it's our first time that we having, you know, somebody in your role speaking with me. And I know you are by far one of the most caring and visionary, you know, RPO leaders. So I want to really thank you on behalf of everybody that's part of the RPO, right, for being there for us, for guiding us, for bringing that corporate background um, to the table, right, that many of us don't have and, you know, be part of this this interesting year, shall we say it that way? <laughs> I think so. And one of the things I would I would have said earlier, is one, one of the things that the corporations that I'm talking about, they're really in their hosting uh, events and classes and just giving great overview of their corporations as well. Uh, so pay attention to that and pay attention to the WeBank emails that you will receive. 
And then we'll be doing the same thing in our RPO. But come to our event, Still We Rise, January 21st, 2021. And I, what I can promise you is that you'll have a whole lot of fun. Well, that's a perfect ending to a wonderful conversation. I know we could have spent a lot more time, but um, we want to be mindful of potential listeners, right? Everybody's very busy. Thank you so much for making this possible today. Thank, Thank you. you. Take care. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of On The Wire, produced by Archie Communications. Do you know someone who would make a great guest? Send us your suggestions, questions, and comments. Our email is service at archenia.com. For more information about our company, including blogs, services, and news, please visit archenia.com. That is A-R-T-E-M-I-A.com. Thank you again for listening. Signing off for now.